0: Accrediting Excellence, the International Authority for Professional Coaching and Mentoring proudly presents both sides of the coin.
1: Do your clients choose to live? Life can be beautiful, exhilarating, and full of possibilities, yet it's also complex, challenging, and inherently uncertain. Today, we get some top tips on how to allow our clients to experience the whole spectrum of what life has to offer, not to merely endure life, but to enjoy it in all its facets. Have a life well lived. Welcome to Both Sides of the Coin, a podcast produced by the IAPC and M. We're a leading accreditation body and our aim is to increase public confidence and to raise industry standards by enforcing a rigorous accreditation process that ensures the quality of professional coaches and mentors. The podcast is aptly named Both Sides of the Coin because we talk to both the coach or mentor and one of their clients to explore both sides of the coaching mentoring intervention, what works and what doesn't. As the proverb says, iron sharpens iron. Before we get started, let me introduce myself. I'm Jenny Butter, your host and an accredited master coach, and I've been coaching for 12 years, mainly in the area of career transition and life coaching. And joining me today are Yannick Jacobs and his clients, Jane. Yannick is an existential life and leadership coach, a positive psychologist, a coach, trainer and supervisor, and a mediator. He works with people who choose to step out of their comfort zones and make the most out of life. He has worked with hundreds of clients to become more successful, feel more present and fulfilled and those who ponder what life is all about. He runs leadership programs, happiness development workshops, as well as mediation sessions to help people resolve conflict both within themselves and with others. And his client Jane is based in London in the UK and she wanted some coaching to support her in her leadership position in the education sector. Welcome, both of you. I'm going to start with Yannick and then flip over the coin and speak to Jane. Yannick, tell me about yourself.
0: Thank you, first of all, Jenny. Uh, I appreciate the work that you do. Uh, tell me about yourself. That's that's a huge question, right? So um, I, I love coaching. Um, I, I love generally helping people think and be and figure out big questions. So uh, I came through uh, the pathways of positive psychology, asking myself what's right with people. Um, and existential coaching and existentialism as a philosophy of lived human existence really asks, what does it mean to be human? What is it for? What does it mean to be alive and in the world with others? And big questions like, how do I make the most out of my life? Or um, how much time do I have left? Or what's the point of this all? And many of the questions that you mentioned in your in your introduction. Um, really are at the heart of many coaching engagements. And sometimes they're very out in the open and sometimes they're subtly underneath the surface. So um, yeah, my experience is that anybody is concerned with existential questions and everybody has an experience of, you know, this uh, how challenging and anxiety provoking just being alive can be. Um, what else can I say? Um, I, I live in Berlin now. I've been 20 years in the UK Uh, I've I've got a little daughter, uh, who keeps me on my toes existentially and otherwise. Um, and I love creating spaces for coaches to, you know, be better coaches. So I take every opportunity to, um, to, to bring, get some questions out there and get coaches to examine how they work and why do they work and how can they work better?
1: Why do you think existentialism and looking at the much bigger perspective is so important in the coaching process?
0: Because it's always there, in my experience, Uh, regardless of what the presenting issue is that a coaching client might bring into the room. uh, Even if it's something that seems quite mundane or straightforward, like getting the next promotion. Um, or resolving a, a dispute or a conflict they had uh, with, a, with a close relative or a working colleague or, you know, partner, spouse, whatever it might be. There's always something underneath that is around, well, what's my relationship with authenticity or belonging or meaning, absurdity? Uh, what's my relationship with time and endings? Uh, what's my relationship with, you know, this existential isolation, this need to be understood there's always paradox and dilemma. There, there's so often this tension between one part of me wants this and another part of me wants that, and now we're fighting. You know? So now there's an inner conflict, and now people feel stuck or they procrastinate or you know, that something happens. So in my experience, the existential questions always bubble underneath the surface for whatever coaches bring into the room.
1: And so you mentioned at the beginning, somebody comes to you wanting a promotion. If they're talking about um, a very present and immediate desire to land in a new job within the next month, what three questions would you ask, for example, to help them think about that bigger picture and the existential angle that you think is important to bring into your coaching sessions?
0: Yeah, so my my main uh, question is always tell me about it. Right. Uh, If there was one tool that existential coaches have, and then not necessarily very tool based or models based, methodology based, but tell me about it and then really bracketing everything that I think I know. We call this phenomenological inquiry. So, really putting into my box what I think I know about this person or about life in general, put the lid on and really bracket all of my assumptions and really, really listen, really be with that person, invite them to describe and dig a little bit deeper into their experience of wanting to get that promotion. Um, new meanings emerge out of that kind of process. So uh, tell me about it. You know, why do you want this promotion? Why now? Um, maybe I'm curious about uh, where they've come from as a person. Who are they now? Where are they going? You know, what matters to their life? Is there a bigger picture of the kind of impact that they want to have or the experiences that they want to have? What makes their life meaningful is what I'm trying to get a sense of. And I can ask specific questions to explore my client's relationship with meaning or purpose or legacy, you know, and some of that legacy work we've we've done, Jane. Um, but like uh, you can hear somebody's relationship with meaning or uncertainty or authenticity sometimes when I talk about the weather. You know, so uh, I often ask people, tell me your, tell me a bit of your story when I meet them. And a lot is in there. So when it comes to then talking about the promotion, I-, I will have already gotten the sense for who that person is and their relationship with endings, for example, will come into getting a promotion because whenever you get a promotion, something ends and something new begins. And so sometimes that's what's in the way, but really it's very context-specific. So every client is different. So tell me about it is my my go-to question and then listen really, really well.
1: Thank you for sharing that really great initial starting question with us. So when you go down this process, do you find that often clients' ambitions, goals, dreams change as they delve deeper within themselves and find out other things that are important?
0: It's not uncommon, certainly. Um, depends how well a client already knows themselves. Depends how much work they've done. Uh, some clients, especially from the corporate world, they have done often very relatively little thinking about who they are and why they do what they do. Um, certainly not a rule, but I've I've certainly noticed a trend. Um, so um, that. Yeah, so that, that's always that's always something I check in. Um, but it's it can change, right? And that is certainly not uncommon. So you somebody thinks they want something and then they bring that in and we explore that more. And as we are exploring this phenomenologically, uh, something emerges that, oh, this sounds much more like my parents or this sounds much more like what my previous boss wanted from me or what society or advertising or my culture wants me to be like. And it can be difficult to distinguish between what do I really want and what's a story that I have been adopting in my past that tells me what I want? And it, it, I've repeated it so much that it sounds like my voice. But if you listen really closely, then you start getting the signs that mm, I don't think this is really your story or that person realizes mm, that's not really my story. And then these things change. You know. So I think the earlier we can get to somewhere that is truly authentic and it can be difficult to decide what's truly authentic, right? Uh, because it can be difficult to decide what's mine and what's other people's. Uh, but then then these goals may change, right? So somebody might come in wanting to get a promotion, and then, uh, what, 20 minutes, two hours later, they realize, actually, I want to leave my job and do something different. So, yeah, not, not uncommon, but not the rule.
1: And so it sounds like it's quite an, an in depth soul searching process.
0: It can be right, so it doesn't have to be. Sometimes coaching is really straightforward, but it certainly, um, when we put an existential lens on and listen from that position, different doors open. You know, different. Uh, there's different possibilities to having uh, deeper conversations. More profound questions may emerge, but I, I don't want to expect that. I, I'm not looking for them. That they have to emerge from themselves because. Sometimes coaching really is straightforward and sometimes really don't need longer than half an hour or an hour. Some things can be resolved in a session, but the big questions in life, they tend to take a little longer and there is no one answer. Everybody has to decide what the answers to these big existential questions are.
1: Excellent. And so if somebody um, struggles to get their head around those existential questions, I know clients I've worked with, some people think, oh, crumbs, I've never thought about that. Or, you know, it's too, some people tend to be quite present focused Other people like to look at the past Other people like to look at the future. As well as the tell me about yourself, have you got another question that as coaches we could use in our coaching practices to help them just look, pivot and maybe look at things from a different angle?
0: Yeah, so it depends on the theme that they're coming in for. Uh, you can use uh, something like the Four Worlds Model by Emmy van Dersen. Uh, it's based on Binzwanger's Three. She added a spiritual world. There are specific pointed questions that you can ask to explore somebody's relationship across their existential dimensions. So you could ask specific questions to explore their relationship with meaning or meaninglessness. What are their values and beliefs? Um, how do they... Navigate this paradox of wanting to make sense of things that's very human, right? With there might not be an overarching meaning of life that I can have any certainty about. So, how do I choose that? Uh, what's my relationship with choice or freedom, responsibility? Tell me about a significant ending that you've experienced in your life. Will tell me something about the relationship with endings, right? Um, So there's lots of these questions. What question I ask really depends on the context that they're bringing in. Sometimes endings are obviously the relationship that matters here. Sometimes the relationship with freedom and choosing and responsibility. Sometimes that's what needs to be explored. So that's why I usually tune in. I pay attention to who's sitting in front of me. And then as certain themes seem to come up as more significant than others, you can ask some more pointed questions such as, tell me about a significant ending that you've experienced or a change in your life that you have transitioned through and then really explore that.
1: And like as at IAPCM, you think it's really important for coaches to be their best and you run a rocket supervision program. Can you tell me more about that, please?
0: Uh, sure. So rocket supervision really came around during my coaching supervision training. Um, I, I had uh, regarded supervision as a very traditional view, like um, somebody's coming to a supervisor and says, tell tell me about it. Uh, I have a difficult client, or I want to talk about something that happened in the coaching room with my client. And then that's what we focused the supervision on. But supervision quickly, uh, I realized is a lot broader than that. So anything that affects you as a coach matters in supervision. So I felt I needed to to, to call that something different. So rocket supervision is my opportunity for coaches to get access to all of my different hats. So there's an element of supervision, there's an element of coaching, there's an element of business mentoring, there's an element of deep existential work, which can be in that gray area to therapy, in some ways, just because of the nature of the questions, big, they're meaningful. So um, whenever I work with coaches, that's that's what rocket supervision is about. The idea is that you know coaches uh, when they become coaches. They lift off, they go into space, right? And when they found their orbit, uh, where everything gets a little bit easier, you're being carried by the gravitational forces, life gets a lot easier, right? But coaches really struggle when they're building their businesses. And once you know who you are as a coach and you kind of have your systems in place, you know who your clients are, maybe you have some referral network, You know, then then you're in orbit. And with rocket supervision, I want to get coaches into orbit or if they want to change orbit into a different orbit. You know, I'll, I'll re, uh, reattach that, uh, that training element and um, then we can, we can move and explore.
1: Excellent. My final question for you, Yannick, before I flip over the coin and speak to Jane is about accreditation. The IAPCM is a leading accreditation body. What are your thoughts on coaches being accredited?
0: Mm-hmm. I think any coach going through an accreditation process is going to make them a better coach. Uh, because you must challenge some of your assumptions, you need to work towards a particular model or framework and by engaging with any framework or uh, competencies, you will need to decide whether these are competencies that you agree with, That's competencies, competencies that are worth developing and growing or whether that's something that you are not and you actually want to maintain the freedom to be outside of that particular framework. Coaching is such a huge range of approaches. It's a big umbrella term for a lot of different ways of working. So I think every coach considering accreditation, I think it's important for the professionalism of the entire industry, but it can also feel limiting, right? So when I work with coaches in supervision who are trying to figure out uh, whether to get accredited or who to get accredited with, it's a fascinating process around uh, deciding what kind of coach do you want to be. And existentially, there's a lot there around their relationship with freedom and responsibility. Because when you get that stamp of approval of a crediting buddy, it can really offer a lot of confidence for a coach. And it can offer a lot of confidence for clients working with that coach because they know they have gone through uh, at least a minimum requirement of training and qualifications. So uh, there's a trust involved that accreditation offers. And we don't necessarily need that trust as coaches because, you know, clients tend to like uh, be more concerned about what's my feeling with this coach rather than what do you have as accreditation. Um, but the process of going through accreditation has, in my experience, made every coach better.
1: Thank you so much. Jane, I'm going to bring you into the conversation now. We think it's really important here at the IAPCM to learn from our clients as well as coaches, so we really can become better in our profession. So please, can you tell me about yourself?
2: Well, compared to Yannick, I'm like not that deep. I'm just really just quite ordinary. I um, am a retired head teacher now, but I still work. I work in the youth sector. So I worked part-time with a um local youth charity and um partly um in liaison with the local authority, etc. Yeah, um I'm also a, a mum of two children who are 25 plus, um married for gosh, 30 odd years. So yeah, I'm just a ordinary teacher person. <laughs>
0: <laughs> really? Can I just say that yeah. I disagree? I, I really think you're an extraordinary educator and entrepreneur.
2: Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but we, maybe we'll get into that story a little bit more. I'll, I'll shut okay. up for the moment.
2: <laughs> right. I'll leave you to this.
1: Jane, right. Jane, why did you want coaching?
2: Well, actually, at the point when I met Yannick, I didn't feel I needed coaching, actually. It was um, part of my um, kind of head teacher appraisal um, kind of well-being package. So um, any good governors that are looking after their heads should actually include um, support coaching in in this way. So it was part of that, really. So having had coaching before, um, which was more career changing, transitional, coaching. Um I wasn't quite sure. I know it was on offer, but I wasn't quite sure how that would pan out or who I would see. I my school business manager actually, she was actually at a lecture that Yannick was giving and she came back the next morning really excited, said Marilyn, I'll find a coach for you. Oh my gosh, he's so different. He's so cool. You know, he'll be right up your street. You will be perfect, batch, whatever. That's how I was um, introduced. But I knew it was something that um, was good because as I said I've um, I' I trained as a level five coach. I did the Institute of Education level five coaching. I know it's a good process, and I use coaching and I try and introduce a coaching culture with um, in the way that I worked and I worked with my staff and um, encouraged also my team to adopt a coaching culture in their meetings and things like that so i know that coaching so i wasn't against it at all but it was kind of where or what um i would be what type of coaching i'd want because if it was just your um dare i say basic grow model or whatever i you know i'd according to me i'd kind of self-actualize i'd reach the top of maslow's (laughs) um, pyramid and you know I found my in my ideal job in fact a job that I never thought I'd ever be capable of doing and just doing it well and enjoying it so why coaching at that point I didn't really know but I accepted it and thought it was a good process anyway.
1: And so what was your experience?
2: My experience was with Yannick it was very much about just having that conversation and there didn't seem to be a what is your goal and um you know obstacles, all those kinds of things. It was really um a conversation. And before you realize when the hours off, you realize that actually you've actually delved delved quite deep in inside and what's your in and challenging your own thoughts and and um your presumed thinking as well about yourself and life and job. We just used to meet for coffee didn't we in, in the a in hotel and um, we talked and then very soon I realised that I had um, normalised things that I shouldn't have normalised for example not understanding the difference between um, recovery and resting and relaxing and leisure. So I, I remember one conversation having with with Yannick and I was talking about my weeks ahead and how I'd work for, you know, s- or five days really, really, you know, round the clock And then Saturday morning would be emails, whatever. And then I'd give myself a treat and stay in my PJs for the rest of the day. And I was like celebrating to myself, thinking this was a good thing. And <laughs> Yannick kind of said said to me, Well actually that doesn't sound like rest. That sounds like recovery. And I was like Oh my gosh, that is so true. I actually wasn't um this wasn't some this this wasn't a good thing that um I should be really celebrating that my only treat for myself weekend in that sense was to to after Saturday morning of emails to to sit in my pajamas, (laughs) which is not great. So then I started
0: and so started to really Can I just move in there for a moment? Because I think this was a really key moment. And I think this illustrates something of of that style of coaching is that just offering an observation, uh, even if it's based on a sense, you know, because I I didn't say, oh, this is something bad. I just said, oh, this seems to me like this, you know, the way Mm -hmm. that you've laid it out there really sounded like recovering rather than actually relaxing um mm-hmm. and i just offered that kind of feedback which you know often many coaches do but existential coaches particularly just sharing something that seems to be happening in the here and now you know because you were in a place where it you had so much on you know there was yeah, yeah. so much on your plate yeah. and there was no weekend where you weren't either recovering or catching up you know mm-hmm. so
2: yeah at the time at the time um we was creating a college, weren't we? I was creating a college as well as running a school. Um, and
0: there's the entrepreneur, kind of, um, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it's
2: all kind of like groundbreaking stuff in Sen. Um, but that side, but I just think that 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 really was a a, a real turning point for. It. And to this day, I still remember that. And when I do have a PJ day, I still remember. And I think to myself, is this recovery? Is it a real treat? And and, and it really does has fixed in my mind and so how we went on to kind of put in checks within myself to make my weekends better was just planning you know and thinking right okay how what is, how am I going to rest and relax this weekend and actually put some thought into that so making making My thoughts about my weekend, even though it may have been an afternoon or just a Sunday or something, actually planned and purposeful rather than a kind of collapse until Monday, Sunday evening came around or something like that. And it and it it does make a difference. I'm not saying that the workload changed or anything like that, but that space for me felt and became um very, very different. And that that was just one example um another example of um what the the kind of changing points for me was um the relationship between understanding um my relationship with between myself and my belief and my work um i um um, shared with yannick and i talked very much deeply about my personal faith um and um my belief and my and my work with the church. So I do a lot of work at the church, and um, how that impacted uh, my principles and and belief impacted my my leadership, as particularly in that time, So actually having the confidence to actually move forward and be that true person in leadership. And it did actually permeate, um, and I was okay about it because it was permeating anyway. But it kind of gave gave me permission to say it's okay and this is who I am um so that I think I think relationship with my belief in self was really was really um again quite um turning points I don't know whether you can you'd want to jump in there Yannick <laughs> yeah
0: I'd, I'd love to thank you um just because there's another really in- good factor for existential coaching highlighted because I'm an atheist Right. And so Mm -hmm. we've met and I don't think you knew that from the beginning, but at some point it just kind of emerged. I I didn't try Mm -hmm. to hide it, but also I didn't Mm -hmm. put it in the room straight away. Um, Mm -hmm. But really bracketing my own beliefs and really tuning into your worldview was so helpful because it taught me a lot about your relationship with meaning and your relationship with responsibility. I remember vividly Mm -hmm. a moment where um, we were talking about choosing and choosing to take on more work and because you know that's why i think you're extraordinary because you care so much about the kids and the staff and the the other stakeholders the parents the community that you were involved in and so what you were building you didn't have to do that that was going far and beyond what's expected from your position and so seeing you uh, almost on a path to burnout and recovering on the weekend and having so much to juggle, uh, I I thought, well, what's, how does it present itself as a choice? Can you choose to do less? And you were saying something like, well, to me, it's not a choice. Of course, I'm going to do what's best for the kids and the community and the parents. And, you know, you had to look after yourself, you know, but all of these stories that I told myself around, you know, choice and choosing and what's important had to go into my box with the lid on and into the corner. And sometimes it would come out and then I might share something like, "Mm, oh, this is interesting. I have a different position or view on this. And then we had this really interesting conversation around, Mm -hmm. well, different views of looking at the world. It didn't change your beliefs. I think it's probably strengthened them. But what Mm -hmm. came out of this is a, a clear focus on why do I do the things that I do? And yes, I guess there is some choice, but for me, it doesn't present itself as a choice because of course, I'm going to do the right thing, even if the right thing is going to affect me and how tired I am or awake I am Mm -hmm. uh, on the Mm weekends.
2: Yeah, it was really challenging. I do remember those conversations we had where I had no choice in terms of the the mission that i felt i had to do but within that there were choices i had to make for example making sure that i could look after myself better at the weekends but also i would use that to challenge my 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 staff um we could challenge um people's behaviors people's attitudes um, i talked about existentialism with the staff at school you know um because i do i do ultimately believe that people do have a choice in that sense, you know? And and we, and however deep, wide you go with that, but it's a simple phrase that actually can guide and make and um, hold people to account for themselves as well and and, and how they choose to behave and um, conduct themselves around. And and you often see that, you know, when when people have to make difficult decisions that affect people, even within that, they still have a choice because they can, because surely they can understand an outcome, and so we, the what they have to do is the same, but but understanding they can choose to make the outcome softer, gentler, more caring, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera.
1: What a very interesting discussion there over choice and faith and beliefs. Um, interesting you talk about faith. The last podcast that was recorded was all about how to bring faith into career coaching because of, obviously across the world, mm. so many people um have a faith and it's important for them to talk about that within the coaching context. My final question, Jane, is you've had a lot of experience um of being coached. You mentioned before. So we can improve as coaches, what one thing would you say to us so we can improve our practice?
2: Um, I would say um, having done the level five and done the kind of like basic grow um, model and that kind of um, experience, I would say um, not come in with a rigid um, idea or a, a rigid set of um, you may not think you're being rigid, but if you've in your mind thinking right, I've got to move on. There, I've got the goal now you know, because that is not how um, my experience with Yannick went, and it was a real. Because you may be coaching someone like myself who desperately needed coaching at the time, but I didn't realize how much I needed because I was so six. I'm I'm doing um air things are for those on podcasts. <laughs> okay i was so successful in that sense because i had you know been taught teaching for over 25 years in leadership for goodness knows how long um and the successful school was really you know seeing things grow and you know c- kind of mushroom um in its growth so i think if if i'd had a coach that was um wasn't open And listening and actually just sitting back and picking up on the I spend the afternoon in my PJs moments and actually taking understanding that from that and reading what that actually meant for that person, then you've missed it, haven't you?
1: Thank you so much, Yannick and Jane. If you're interested in working with Yannick Jacobs or receiving supervision or training with Yannick, then go to his website, Existential Coach. That's if you want some coaching. And if you want supervision, then go to Rocketsupervision.com. We're confident that anyone who attains an international authority for professional coaching and mentoring accreditation will be amongst the very best that the profession has to offer. So if you're someone who's interested in having some coaching or mentoring and want to find an accredited coach, mentor or training provider or if you're a professional who's interested in becoming accredited then please go to our website coach-accreditation.services and finally if there's a topic that you would like me to cover on future episodes of both sides of the coin then I would love to hear from you my email jenny.podcast jenny.podcast@coach-accreditation.services bye for now